0: welcome to the nasty things podcast i'm your host extreme joaquin this is episode 11 and you're getting nasty with yours truly extreme joaquin Welcome back everyone to this Extreme Joaquin edition of the Nasty Things Podcast. Now, before I get started on some of the topics that I wanted to talk about, a specific fight that happened last weekend, John Jones against Cyril Gunn, and of course Valentina Shevchenko, and you know the list goes on as far as the fights go. Is I wanted to talk a little bit about last week's episode. So Again, it was a lot of fun having Joe Jazz on. We shocked it up, and we found out we had quite a bit in common. His music was, uh, his knowledge of music, his sayings, and just much more, right? His comic love was all cool and great. The unfortunate part that I did go to realize is Extreme Joaquin sounded plastered last episode. Which, don't get me wrong, I like to wet my beak, but that wasn't the case is unfortunately, on my end, there was some Wi-Fi issues. So on my end, it came off sounding like I was drunk or I was T-Pain, one or the other. <laughs> but either or, on a positive note is, Joe Jazz sounded great. And you guys got to see the in and outs of his rise or how he ended up in England coming from Atlanta. So on that note, it was great. And uh, the unfortunate thing that we have is he does want to return so when he does come back again i'll make sure the wi-fi isn't an issue and everything will work out at its finest but anyway with that being said let's get started on some of the extreme topics of the week and starting it all out i'm going to start out with last weekend's pay-per-view which was john jones against cyril gone like i mentioned earlier now the fascinating thing about that pay-per-view for one delivered excellent pay-per-view from beginning to end i enjoyed every single fight bone nickel impressed unfortunate that it kind of all started out from a low blow um apparently they're gonna go and try to review it and see if they can get a result change but realistically in combat sports it tends to not they tend to not uh fix those sort of things so and either way i think bo nickel was going to do his job and he was going to get that finish he struggled a little bit but he got it done props to bo nickel i look forward to his career and and some of the future fights that he's going to have so just wanted to talk a little bit about bo in that sense the other fight that stuck out also is none other than shavkat Rakhmonov. my lord is that guy a beast I will say, he looked a little more vulnerable in this fight. And it seemed like he took a little more risks. Like, we didn't get the uh, flawless performances we typically get, right? Where he either takes his opponent down, outstrikes him, pulls off a submission. I mean, there's a reason why his finishing ratio is at 100%. He struggled a little bit with Jeff Neal. But I think one of the big reasons that he struggled a little bit with Jeff Neal is that Jeff Neal's camp which uh, shout out to his camp Um, they just strategized in such a way where they had the right game plan unfortunately at the end of the day it's Shavkat Rachmanov so and at one point though I will say which props to Jeff Neal he was able to clip uh, Shavkat Rachmanov I might do a little sorry in advance uh, listeners I might do a little (laughs) you know his name is a little difficult sometimes is but at the end of it how did the fight end the way Shafqat fights end in a finish he at the end of the day yeah he got clipped he came back he got the finish he got the submission and respects to anyone that actually put through money down on Shafqat winning by submission because i believe there was a b- pretty big payout for that so respect to you guys that took the uh, you know took the time out of the day put some money down and won some money respects to that Shout-out to Shavkat Rachmanov. Excellent performance. Shout-out to Jeff Neal, man. Great performance, too. But with that being said, now that he got that fight won, is... I need to see... doesn't matter when it happens, but we need to see Hamzat Shemaev versus Shavkat Rachmanov. Either it being for a title, a number one contendership, that fight fucking needs to happen. And, uh... When it does, boy, am I excited. Shout out to the Viking out there. I know that you're a big uh, Hamza Shamayev fan. We'll make sure to see that fight when it does happen. And uh, if your boy loses, he loses. But either way, I'm happy with either of them winning or losing. They're both excellent fighters. And both the definite futures of this division. Um, Shamayev, I do believe he could be the future. It all comes down to whether he decides to stay at Welterweight. But either way. That's a fight I need to see. Shavkat Rachmana versus Hamza Shamayev. But anyway, moving on. Getting to none other than Valentina Shivchenko against Alexa Grasso. Wow. That's all I got to say. Shit. That was a fight where, you know, the odds makers, I thought, got it right. I think it was a plus 1100. Yeah, she was a plus 1100, which is a severe underdog. Alexa Grasso and I thought it was more than warranted and frankly I will gladly admit it I'll take the punch to the chin or knee or sorry in this case I'll get choked the fuck out (laughs) for completely overlooking Alexa Grasso because I just did not see any way that Alexa Grasso could win this fight but boy did she prove me and everyone else in the world the odds makers wrong and she got the win over Valentina. Now, I will say this. Valentina, up until she got choked out, was winning that fight. And it seemed that it was going in the direction. In the first couple of rounds, or the first round or so, sorry. I actually did score for Alexa Grasso. But two, three, and, and going into four, it kind of seemed like Valentina was really starting to take over. And, uh, but her boxing looked great, crisp. Like, Alexa Grasso's boxing, you know, has always looked crisp, always looked great. But one of the biggest surprises, I guess, to everyone, including myself, was she proved she has a bit of submission game also. A bit of a submission game. And also just her camp and preparing her for that big moment, which sometimes... um you know, those moments don't happen, right? Because, uh, and the reason I'll say that is, you know, there's two different kinds of fighters, right? There's a fighter like John Jones that sees every single tape and then looks for every single flaw in their opponent. And then they try to capitalize on that. And then there's a fighter like Anthony Smith, which I'm a big fan of, where he doesn't watch tape. His um, his cor- His trainers, his coaches, everyone watches tape. He doesn't watch tape. And his excuse is that if he were to do that, then he only looks at those tendencies. And sometimes those tendencies don't happen, which is what I was going to get back at with Alexa Grasso is those tendencies that she uh, or sorry, the tendencies that Alexa Grasso was looking at with Valentina, which was she practiced that move dozens of time, the spinning back kick to catch her, grab her back. Choke her out with the rare naked choke. She practiced that. Well, guess what? That tendency did end up happening. Is Valentina, which was looking a little tired, a little, little exhausted, made the mistake of going for that very same move, that spinning back kick. And unfortunately, Alexa Grasso, she prepared for it. It came and she went for that opportunity. She, she got that tendency Grabbed her, got her back, got the submission. And now we have ourselves un tercer, I'm going to say it in Spanish, because shout out to Nicaragua, because I did see we got some listeners out in Nicaragua. Shout out to Mexico. And um, what I wanted to say quickly in Spanish was, Un tercer campeón mexicano en el UFC. Respeto para México. Espero que un día tengamos un campeón nicaragüense en el UFC. So, yeah, so to, to those that only understand English, I basically said congratulations to Mexico, three champions now in the UFC, um, and hopefully one day we'll get a Nicaraguan champ because, as you know, us, Nasty Cruz, we, we have lineages from Nicaragua, we're all Nicaraguan. So that was my, my major take on all that. But either way, exciting and a fight that just none of us saw coming. I didn't see it coming It just But you know what Again Respects the new The new champion of the world Alexa Grasso E Viva Mexico Now Going on to the main event Of the evening It was none other than Cyril Gaughan And John Jones Now that's a fight Where Same sort of thing I will say this uh, Me going into the fight I will gladly admit to this. I actually thought that John Jones, if there was a time to bet against John Jones, it was that weekend. Because there was just so much questions that I had, which a lot of them aren't necessarily answered. But, you know, my questions were okay, John Jones has been out for three years sure he's been going up in weight etc he's been doing it the proper way rather than just you know going right going right up the division and you know going up to heavyweight there's a major difference between 205 and 265 which at heavyweight you can be 220 to, to 265 right is again one of the big things it caught me by surprise was just how quick it ended and I think everyone can attest to this. We didn't expect it to last about two minutes. We expected it to be longer. But it, it was just one of those things where respects to John Jones. He's a heavyweight champion of the world. But it sort of felt like a lot of our questions are still not necessarily answered. We still don't, because I mean, we only got two minutes, like, really. Two 30 30 seconds and two minutes of a little bit of footage of how John is at heavyweight. Because, I mean, realistically, the fight starts. Cyril gone, lands a kick. Probably one of his only strikes that he lands in the whole fight. And it's a low blow. Then after John gets his break, they get back in there. Um, John sets up the takedown, takes him down, gets him up against the cage, sinks in the guillotine choke and within seconds Cyril gone taps so there's still a lot of questions that i have regarding john and how he's going to look moving forward at heavyweight but i will say that yeah congratulations to john but i i am curious and this is not taking anything away from john if the moment got to got to cyril gone cuz he's at the biggest stage he's fighting the pound for pound king many considered the, the greatest of all time, the greatest mixed martial artist. You know, it's always between, the argument's always between John Jones, Anderson Silva, and George St. Pierre. Those are the three that come to mind. Or, and, and you know, in a, and of course, uh, if, if I'm going to throw in a mention, uh, Demetrius Johnson, right? If you had a fourth guy, of course, it's between those four, or between those three, right? John, uh, GSP, and Anderson Silva. But that's sort of my big question, is did Cyril let the moment get to him? Does it really matter necessarily? Yeah, sort of. But at the end of the day, John did his job and he did what he needed to do, which is he got the W and he made it fucking look easy. But um, with that being said, moving on, is I am excited about the fight against him and Stipe Miocic. That's going to be interesting. Because Stipe has been in some of the biggest moments in the sport. You know, he fought Francis twice. Has a win over Francis. Francis also has a win over him. And he's actually, he actually, the last time they met, um, Francis won by knockout. And looked impressive doing so. But taking all that away, Stipe Miocic is a very well-rounded fighter. Has good wrestling, good boxing, and a pretty decent sub-game. So... That should be an interesting test for John, and that's a fight that I look forward to. Obviously, the fight that we all want to see is Francis versus John, but at the moment, that fight won't happen. Francis isn't in the UFC, but in my eyes, he's still the uncrowned heavyweight champion of the world, and he's the heavyweight king until somebody beats him in MMA. Because uh, if he does take that boxing fight, I don't count that as a loss as far as MMA or, or, or anything is concerned, or if he wins in boxing. So it doesn't affect his MMA career. But um, that's a fight I believe we all want to see. Unfortunately, it's not going to happen anytime soon. So the second best fight we can get is Stipe Miocic, and then maybe down the line, if uh, John gets past Stipe. Which I think there's a big possibility he does, because at the end of the day, John is, John's a great fighter. But uh, yeah, when the time comes, uh, we'll see who wins and I'll gladly make a pick leading up to the fight and maybe even throw in a bet and I'll let all the nasty listeners know who I'm going with, etc. But uh, and uh, but yeah, the third fighter I wanted to say quickly is, yeah, of course I'd like to see him take on Tom Aspinall, like way down the line or even Curtis Blaze. i would be fucking great um, if he gets past Stipe Miocic and there's no chance of Francis... And Ganu coming back whatsoever. Those are the other ones I want to see. And uh, yeah. But that's my my take on last weekend's pay-per-view. Now moving on to this weekend's fights. And I'm going to start out the fights with the UFC fight night. And in the UFC fight night, we have none other than the return of... Jan, Pewter Jan to be exact, and he's taking on Morab. The card on its own is actually pretty solid. I'll get to the to the Jan fight in a second because I did want to talk a little bit about some of the other fights on the card, just to, just to open it all up, right? So just to open it up, there's a couple of fights that Vitor Petrino versus Anton Tukralaj, sorry, in advance if I... Butchered the fucking names badly, but that's your main card opener. Should be an interesting fight. And um, most likely, I'll go Vitor Petrino to win it. But anyway, moving on to the second fight quickly. If I'm going to be fair, didn't do as much research as I would have liked in the first fight. Apologize in advance, but uh, there is quite a bit of fights I got to talk about this uh, in uh, this pod, this episode. But the the other one I do have a semi idea. It's Mario Batista versus Guido Canetti. Um, Mario Batista's looked pretty damn good. Guido Canetti has won two fights in a row. He was looking on it on, on his ways out, basically. Is the other way is the other way to put it? But you know he's got put in a uh, a two fight win streak. He beat the guy that um, he yeah he won by TKO and he won by submission. So he's been looking all right. And uh, Guido Canetti is also from Argentina, if you can believe that, which is cool. We got another Latino on the card, so that's awesome. But with that being said, I think Mario Batista gets it done. He beats Guido Canetti. Um, Now, moving on to Nermaga Medov against Jonathan Martinez. Well, (laughs) the last name on its own tells you exactly who i think is probably gonna is gonna most is most definitely gonna win said nirmaga medov for one is fuck he's a savage and he's a fighter that many have been avoiding and not just because of, of his last name because i mean you're a medov best believe that we're gonna pay attention is said medov has just looked exceptional in the ufc and he's also a bantamweight, but everyone keeps looking for naming other fighters in the bantamweight division, be it Cheeto, be it, um, hell, even Rafael Asanzal, which is actually on the card, and he's fighting Davey Grant. Shout out to Rafael Asanza. But Setno Magomedov, or sorry, Uzz, oh, sorry. yeah, Setno Magomedov, like I was saying, <laughs> a little mixed up in words there, has looked damn good. And in the promotion, he's only lost once, which was against Reini Barcelona. Which was a decision, if you could believe that. But since then, my lord, does he look like a savage? Knockout, submission, guillotine over Cody Stammen. Who say what you want? Cody Stammen always brings it. So he and he made it. He made it easy. Forty-seven seconds it took him to get that submission. So that on its own just tells you that he's in the up and ups. And then of course he took on Douglas Silva, DeAndre, won a decision, and that was actually on the Dos Anos Fiziev card which uh shout out to Fiziev who's fighting next weekend against Geichi. that's gonna be a fucking banger i'm excited but anyway continuing on and then his most recent fight this opponent's a little hard to say Saad yokub i'm gonna say that well on that motherfucker he pulls a fucking ninja choke on his ass so <laughs> how can i pick against uh said no in this case just an absolute monster I think he gets it done. I say he gets a submission in the first round. I'm going to say about two 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 and a half minutes in, he'll get that submission. Um, Sir Namarga gets it done. Submission. Now, moving on to the third fight of this card. See, this fight, I'm fucking hyped for. And the reason being is we were actually supposed to get this fight two weeks ago. And that is... Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Spann and funny enough is two weeks ago I had even made a prediction for this fight and uh, what ends up happening is the day of Nikita Krylov gets sick the fight's off and instead we have one of the most shittiest fight nights that I've seen in a while as far as Name value goes, and even the card itself was just a drag. And then on top of that, we we lose Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Span, which was the only fight that I was actually ecstatic about and extremely hyped about. It doesn't happen. But now, here we are, two weeks later, the fight's going down. And in the end of the day, it was kind of a blessing in disguise, if you think about it, because it made for the yawn versus... Um, it made for the yawn versus fucking uh, for whatever reason, give me a minute here against Marab. Sorry, for whatever reason, slipped my mind. But yawn versus Marab, it made the card even better than it already was. There's already some pretty solid names, so in a way, it was sort of a blessing. We got a better fight night out of it, but anyway, so we got Nikita Krylov versus Ryan Span, and Nikita Krylov again, a fighter who's improved significantly. Over his last few fights Or not even few His last four or five fights He's improved significantly And he's obviously from the great um, Ukraine Which, shout out to Ukraine You guys are great, keep fighting And um, He's, you know, obviously he knocked out Alexander Gustafson um, Two fights ago well, That one, as usual, it's a little tough to see Because, you know, Gustafsson at one point in time Was just a world beater Always tough to see that but he also has just beat Volkan Ozdemir. And that was a pretty damn good fight. I remember watching that fight. And in that fight, he, yeah, he looked, he looked good in the process. And he's, he's shown some wrinkles in his game where he's improved. And what's great about Krylov is his finishing rate is essentially only two guys have escaped as far as, as his wins go. Only two guys have escaped... And uh, obviously Volkan Ozdemir being one of them. And, you know, that just tells you on his own that this fight is going to be one of them fights where win or lose for Nikita Krylov or even for Ryan Spann for that matter, there's going to be a finish in that f- Or sorry, let me reword that. There's going to be a finish in this fight. And, you know, I think Nikita Krylov has looked significantly better in his last two fights. Sure, he lost to Paul Craig three fights ago. And Magomed on Kalai. But many believe that. Even with everything that went on. Even with his fight against. Jan Blachowicz. Is many believe that Magomed is. Very well could be the future of the 205 division. So. You know there's not. There's nothing wrong with losing to him. And he also has a win. Over Johnny Walker. So. Krylov's a damn good fighter. And he's taking on none other than fucking. Ryan Spann man. And Ryan Spann. Is a guy again, one of those guys that goes for broke, goes for the finish, has a fucking hell of a guillotine choke. That guillotine is deadly, man, and that's pro- his actually go-to submission is probably that guillotine choke. And if you can believe it, this is a crazy part about Ryan Spann. Is he said up until maybe his last two fights, so Dominic Reyes, Ian kutalaba which he won by like i was saying that killer choke that he has the fucking the killer guillotine choke where he essentially fucking lifts you in the air and he chokes you out is he says that in those last two fights is where he's actually started training but most of the time he hasn't even really shown up he's and he's just that athletic that he's able to get away with it but now he's taking his career seriously and since yeah, he's he's on a two-fight win streak His, um, but And he has a loss over Anthony Smith Shout out to my boy Lionheart But he's looked great in the process A vicious knockout over, over Dominic Reyes Man, was that nasty And then again, going back to that submission against Ian Kirtalaba Just a nasty guillotine choke Obviously also has wins over Misha Surkinov, uh Sam Alvey, Devin Clark, and Lil Nog Which he actually ended up knocking out Poor Lil Nog is overall just looked exceptional. Well, as far as his last two fights, he's looked great. But with that being said, is my pick for this fight. And I've gone back and forth with it. Because on one end, it's great that uh, Ryan Spann is finally going to the gym, putting in the work, and doing everything that he can to be the better fighter and to be prepared better. Is... I just feel that Nikita Krylov has a little bit more in his tank. And for that reason alone, I'm going to pick Nikita Krylov like I did a few weeks ago. But this time I'm going to be a little more specific regarding it. Is I'm going to pick Nikita Krylov by late second round finish. And it'll be a submission to be exact. So that's my pick for that fight. Now moving on the cool main event of the evening is it's none other than volkov volkov him volkov making his return against the great and powerful and this guy some his wrestling his wrestling uh his wrestling is, is phenomenal alexander romanov sorry about that audience i forgot for a second um yeah you know sometimes it happens i'm extremely keen i mean i'm not the youngest man in the world i'm not the oldest man either so but alexander romanov and uh, alexander volkov so the fascinating thing about this booking for one i'm excited because it's like you got alexander volkov who's a top five heavyweight in my opinion and essentially he's sort of the gatekeeper to the top four top three of the division so you get past Alexander Volkov, then you go on to the heavy hitters, the um, essentially the Curtis Blades of the world, um, the Tom Aspinalls, and Miochich, etc. So this guy is sort of the before you get to the big guys, and in this, and he, again, he was a very easy guy to take down early on in his career. He's fighting a tough wrestler, in Alexander Romanov, who sure he lost his previous fight. But he looked good in the first round, and then essentially he gassed out. But I think there's still a lot to. I mean, he's 32 years old, and at heavyweight, that's fucking essentially 19 years old. Because at heavyweight, they age pretty. You know, you can have a long, you can have a pretty long and prosperous career at heavyweight. So 32 essentially is like 19 in every other division in boxing or MMA or whatever, 25, essentially it's around those ages right there, is he lost that decision. But again, one thing I'll give um, Romanoff credit for is even gassing, he was still able to survive and make it to all three judges. And uh, I guess the UFC or the matchmakers saw something in the sense of, you know, maybe this guy needs another opportunity at another big name. But, the name he's going after, Alexander Volkov, former Bellator uh, heavyweight champion, etc., is, this is a major step up, man. And uh, the, only, the only areas that I really see that he can maybe semi-exploit is he can use some of his wrestling. Well, Volkov has improved significantly on his wrestling. And his ability to get back up and then keep fighting on um with that being said I'll keep it nice and simple my pick is I think Volkov beats him I think he gets a third round stoppage I think he's he's actually the first guy to stop him in his career I think it's too big of a step up too early I think uh, they should have given um they should have given him they should have given uh sorry uh Romanov Somebody a little bit lower in the totem pole. I think this is too much of a step up too early. Should have let him rebound off his loss. I'm picking Volkov by third round stoppage. And uh, yeah, that's what I think happens. Anyway, moving on to the heavyweight. Or sorry, not heavyweight. What am I talking about here? Come on, Extreme Joaquin. You know better than that. Moving on to the main event of the evening. Marab. Versus Marab versus my boy Jan Putryan. This is a great fight. Is you have the never stop pace of Marab. Where essentially his striking isn't the greatest. His grappling is pretty decent, right? He puts a pace on you. But his inability to quit and he has possibly... I think uh, just like I heard on some of the other podcasts I listened to, Luke Thomas put it best. You could argue that Marab has the best gas tank in the whole UFC. Because the guys never give up attitude and his inability and he keeps pushing. You look at the fight against Jose Aldo and Marab. Is in that fight on its own, is they were in Salt Lake City, high altitude. He's the only fighter in that whole card that was not tired. Everyone was exhausted. Um, Marab, after going the distance against Jose Aldo, it looked like he can go another round. So that on its own just tells you his gas tank and, and his, again, his inability to not stop coming forward. I mean one of, and, and also Marab has shown heart. Because one of the fights that comes to mind is when he went and he fought Marlon Moraes. He was getting pieced up, man. It was bad. It was to the point that if they would have stopped the fight, nobody would have complained. And that was two fights ago. Nobody would have complained because it was just, he was piecing them up. But somehow, Moraes turned, turned it on fucking Marlon Moraes, survived it, ended on top in the first round to close out the round. And then ends up finishing Marlon Marais in the second round. Four minutes in. Four minutes and 25 seconds in. So morab has got heart. Marab's got skill. And he's got toughness. But I still think that there's a lot of other areas that he's weaker on. The striking isn't the greatest. And he's taking on Pewter Young. Which, on paper, the crazy thing about Pewter Young is in a technical standpoint, if you look at the record books, He's on a three-fight lose streak. One of them being, to the uh, current champ, a disqualification loss. That one, many, even myself included to this day, believe that Puter was on the way of winning that one. The rematch against Aljo, I believe that Aljo was the rightful winner. And uh, he deserved the nod. Now on to the third loss. This is the one... Or you go back and forth. You can argue. And some say it was controversial. In my opinion. It's tough to say. Because. It came down to the first round. In the first round. I scored it. For. um, Pewter Young. But if you scored it for Sugar Sean O'Malley. Which is the fight I'm currently talking about. His most recent loss. Which was against Sugar Sean O'Malley. Is in that one is it it all came down to the first round, so it's like he has these three losses, but technically you could argue he's two and one in his last three. Because say what you want, I did believe that the rematch against Aljamain Sterling, he did he did win that one in my opinion. And in between, he beat he beat uh, none other than and in between, like yeah, so he has a win in my opinion against. Um, yeah, Aljamain, uh, Aljamain Sterling, the first one, when it was considered a DQ. But in the rematch, yeah, 100% gave it to Aljo. But he has a win over fucking uh, Corey Sanhagen in the process, right? So, But you look at it, and he's 3-1, and one and that's just crazy to believe that. I also believe that he beat Sugar Sean O'Malley. But I don't think it's as controversial as many say. But on paper, you look at it, and you're like, wow, he's lost three fights and won one of them. But in my opinion, yeah, he should probably be... Probably be two and one, and uh, getting back to Peter Jan, is some of the, the the big things that I think he's excellent at. His boxing game is good, his strike his just his overall striking game is good. He's got a good leg kick, he's got a good head kick setup, which he actually ended up catching uh, Uri Faber, <laughs> which uh, again I believe it was actually Uri Faber's last fight, and again Uri Faber on his way out. He TKO'd Jose Aldo, and it was a, in brutal fashion. I remember watching that fight and being like, fuck, just stop the fight, man. Aldo doesn't need any more damage. And then, of course, his um, initial fight against Aljamain Sterling. You take away the illegal knee that he threw, he was piecing up Aljo the whole fight. Aljo had no response. His wrestling wasn't working, he, his, which is another thing. His takedown defense... Is phenomenal, and I and I would actually even argue that Aljo has better wrestling than Marab. And in the first fight, he stuffed all of them essentially, and then of course, um, yeah, okay. He, so he lost it because technically it's a disqualification by illegal knee, but still, he looked excellent in the process. And then in his following fight, he went and he fought Corey Sanhagen, and again. Looked great in the process. In the first round or two, it's like Pewter takes a round off, um, sees you, like catches your movement, catches your flaws, and then just fucking like a computer, boom, analyzes it, ready to go, put, starts putting on that pace. And uh, again, just a very well-rounded fighter. And if you look at his losses, you can argue a few of them and say that he won them. I just think, in my personal opinion, Pewter Jan is just too much for Marab. I think Marab has a lot of areas he needs to work on. Possibly in the future, Marab could be a possible number one contender, which he's already going for a number one contendership essentially right now, but I think he just needs to evolve a little bit more in other areas in his game, get his striking a little bit better. His gas tank, no fucking concern there. He doesn't get tired. So I think Pewter going to get it done, and I think it's actually going to be one of those performances where we go back and we say, God damn, we for- y'all must have forgot Pewter Jan is still here. And with well, that being said, I think that he is going to get it done late in the third round. It won't go all five. Pewter gets a TKO stoppage late in the third round setting up a possible future trilogy with Aljamain Sterling. Because say what you want on the record, but it's, it's a DQ win for Aljo. I got it one and one to possibly setting that up in the future. Or Henry Cejudo if he's able to get past Aljamain Sterling in May. So I believe that he can, it's between that or, you know, or, or of course you can, uh, It's it's between that or sorry, now that I think about it, let me just take a little bit of a step back. I just realized. Sugar Sean O'Malley is probably going to get the next shot. So. Since that's a possibility. I would actually say. After Peter Jan gets this done. Maybe have him fight. The winner. Of Corey Sanhagen. And. My boy Chito Vera. And then. That one. Then takes on the winner. Of Aljamain Sterling. Versus Cejudo. Those are my picks for the UFC Fight Night. But now, moving on to the boxing side of things. This is a fight that I'm excited for because of one man in particular. Tim Su. Costa Su's son. Which, from what I've seen, he's looked damn good, man. The guy, the kid, puts on a pace on, on guys, which, again, probably shouldn't be calling him kid because we're, we're pretty close in age, actually. I'm just three or four years older. But Tim Su, which and is going fight to fight against none other than Tony Harrison, is Tim Su is just, again, just the fact that I'm hearing Su, the fact that he looks like Costa Sue, the fact that he's a body puncher, the fact that he can punch... Just like Papa, is just reminiscent and it brings nostalgia to the finest point. But we're having it in a much heavier weight class, and um, and that's and that's exciting in my opinion. So, but anyway, let's get to the fight itself. He's taking on Tony Harrison, and Tony Harrison is no joke. That guy's very slick. He can box. He can hit. He has a win over Charlo. Which just, that on its own, tells you how good this guy really is. And this is sort of a big step up for Tim Sue. Which initially, he was supposed to fight Charlo. Charlo got injured. And now he's taking on Harrison. But I gotta say, I'm actually a little happier that he has a moment to fight a guy like Tony Harrison. Because this fight on its own will sort of tell us exactly where tim sue is because you go back and you see because i saw like the previous fight of tim sue he got dropped in the first round and but what i liked is that he was able to stay composed he got up and it kind of lit a fire in his ass man and he just said all right okay okay you clip me now deal with this and he just put on a pace and just gave terrell gusha a fucking beating man for the remainder of the fight just put on a pace had reminiscence to his dad and that's one of the reasons why i like him quite a bit and one of the reasons why i'm hoping that he can pull this off because again tony harrison is no joke sure His three losses have come in title fights, and he's also been stopped. And the great Tim Su said himself, it's uh, just a matter of time. And history will, history does repeat itself. So Tim Su is pretty confident in this fight. But so is Tony Harrison. Tony Harrison, like I said, it's just a very slick boxer, man. You can't truly look past him. And I mean, the fact that he has a win over Charlo just tells you how good he is. But um, with that being said, even with, with all the slick boxing and the pace that Tim Sue is going to possibly put, which I'm also hearing that Costa Sue is also going to be there too to support his son, which is great. So we're going to get a chance to see Costa Sue in the audience. Is, um, is I think that Tim Sue will end up pulling it off at the end. I think it's going to be a very close fight. I think Tony Harrison's. Gonna be one of his toughest tests. I think you can even see Tony Harrison winning the first two or three rounds, and then Tim Sue sort of getting the mid rounds and continuing on. I'm actually gonna go out on my go out on, go out on the limb here. Cause Tim Sue did say history has repeated itself. So I'm gonna go with Tim Sue. Late stoppage, 11th round, two minutes and 30 seconds in. Nasty listeners, write that shit down and then send me a message if I got it right or wrong. If Tim Sue fucking loses as a whole, by all means, send me messages. I'll read the DMs and I'll even admit if I'm wrong the next coming episode. But uh, so my pick, Tim Sue by late, 11th round, two minutes and 30 seconds. Into the 11th round stoppage. Shout out to Tim Sue. Get it done, man. But uh, moving on. The last thing that I wanted to talk about just before I let all you Nasty listeners go is the fight that I've been looking forward to. And that fight is on April 22nd. And it's none other than Tank Davis. Versus Ryan Garcia. Talk about a fight that I've been... You know, this is one of the times that as a huge boxing fan, which, by the way, clip that to, uh, I believe it was four or five episodes before, where I said that like ten times. You can turn that into a drinking game. (laughs) Is... This fight is a fucking win for us, man. Because... There's so many fights in boxing, and this is the sad truth of boxing. As much as I love you, love it. it doesn't love you back a lot of the times. Because there's fights that either take too long to make, or it just seems like it's never going to happen. Hence, handsome point. Fuck. Case in point, sorry. Um, Spence and Crawford. A fight that, fuck, man, I mean... How long have we been waiting for that still hasn't happened? Or let's go even further back in time. Floyd Mayweather against Manny Pacquiao. It took too fucking long for that fight to happen. At that point, Manny Pacquiao had, had lost to Juan Manuel Marquez by that stoppage. Floyd Mayweather was, when his, was in his late 30s. And as much as I was happy that the fight finally happened, I mean, it took too long. And it just tends to be the constant thing in boxing, sadly. So the reason that I say that this is a big W for me and all the boxing fans is because we're finally getting two, two guys in their primes, which is Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis. Two guys that can hit. One, you know, I mean, fucking Ryan Garcia's left hook is, is quick, and it's one of the most it's unpredictable punch. To all his previous opponents. Because he keeps connecting with it. And then you have the fight IQ of Tank Davis. Plus. Arguably. Some might say one of the hardest punchers. At 135 in the history of boxing. Outside of of course. Like you know. Well I mean no. Sorry. He's along those lines. Just like. Uh, just like a Roberto that Fought at that same weight class. 135. Just a guy that can hit. And his power is just something i haven't seen before i mean one of the fights that stuck out and it'll always stick out to me was when he clipped santa cruz fuck man like and it w- it just came out of nowhere hit him with a left hook, or sorry hit him with an uppercut lights out and santa cruz is a guy we've never seen be put out well guess what tank put him out just one of the hardest punchers i've ever seen at 135 and this fight, I believe, will be contested at 140. And there's a hydration clause, which again, it's it's it is what it is. But as long as the fight gets done, all good. Is um just uh, and also just uh, the fight IQ of Tank is just absurd, man. He's willing to lose some rounds, but in and in the process, he's kind of figuring you out. He's sort of like I said, Peter Jan earlier with MMA is he's sort of like that in a sense, where he sort of calculates you, he figures out some of your flaws, he reads them in, he's just like, okay, boom, 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 bam, got it. Then he finds a way to get in, he clips you, lights out. And then, now let's get to Ryan. Ryan's a skilled, skilled kid, has very fast hands, and has a very strong left hook. Has, he says he's got a very good right hand also, and that right hand... He says uh, Tank will, <laughs> he will witness it, and Tank has already exploited his left hook. But I mean, you see the press conferences, which were all throughout this week. And one of the big things that came out, of that I got out of it, is Ryan does not look, has no ounce of concern. And I mean that in a positive way. He truly believes that he's going to beat Tank Davis. And uh, you need that kind of confidence because Tank has sort of tried to say things and say shit to him in return, but it doesn't seem to phase Ryan Garcia. Also, their fucking face to face this week was awesome. It just it got me all hyped. So it's just a fight that I'm super excited is actually going down. And I mean, fuck, we're literally. About a month and a month away from seeing this clash, and as a boxing fan, it's exciting and as a boxing fan, all right again, guys take shots for every time I said this boxing 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 <laughs> anyway, <laughs> getting back to it is it's exciting that we're getting two guys in their prime in their peaks on on the way to fighting each other now, as far as predictions, not going to give you one this episode. I'm going to wait and do that with my boy, Hot Takes Alvarez, where um, pretty soon we will have a reunion between us both, because guess what's coming up, ladies and gentlemen? None other. March 25th, two weeks away, is Kayla Plant versus um, Benavides. And as you know, on the air, we did say we had a bet. It was a six-pack pack of beer bet. So hot takes. Have them beers ready for uh for when I when Benavides pulls the win, which I believe he does, but it's two weeks away. Mm-hmm. So in about three weeks' time, we'll probably do an episode or even possibly in two weeks, we'll see what happens. Um but to be T B A, in other words, for hot takes. But that fight's coming up. And just quickly to break that one down, Caleb Plant versus uh, benavides we sort of talked about it before everybody all the nasty listeners know i am going with benavides but i gotta say i just needed to bring this up quickly in the segment my lord is kayla plant's trash talking game on the next level everyone everyone that's listening to this podcast do yourselves a fucking favor and put davidbenavides.com and that right there will tell you the type of uh, level of trash talk or the level, the the gains, the <laughs> the shit that Caleb Plan has done to just make you a fan. Just look uh, look up that website, and you'll see what I mean. Okay. But uh, with all that being said, everyone, um, before I let you guys go. I wanted to make sure to let uh, make sure, everyone make sure to check us out at Nasty things Reddit, But please, actually, check us out. Right, because, you know, me and the professor consistently, we check it out. We, we talk with the fans. We interact. And we also like to hear what you guys think about the episodes. Maybe some things that we, you want us to talk about. Or some movies. Some music. Hell, even comic books. Or, or hell, if you want to talk about life by all means man we're we're there so check us out there of course follow us on um on anywhere you can really find our podcast so be it spotify google play google music uh, google music anywhere really you can find your podcast that's where we're located and uh and with that being said everyone stay nasty